0: Good lord, it is the world famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. Dr. Dennis Durrell is going to join us here in a few moments. And uh, then also Jay Izzo will join us as well. We're going to talk about the latest with Dr. Dennis Durrell here in a few moments. And Dr. there, Durrell. I believe, is Dr. Dennis Durrell. How are you, sir? It's James Lowe from KJ Radio. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you? Pretty good, actually. If you give me about two seconds here, I'm going to have our co-host join us here on Skype, Dr. Jay Izzo, and uh, we're going to talk with Dr. Dennis terrell here in a few moments. He's a physician, national medical director of acute services for the IPC Healthcare. He's also the author of your healthcare playbook, "Winning the Game of Modern Medicine" and "The Two Minute Warning: The Young Invincibles." And uh, Dr. Jay Izzo with us as well. Um, Dr. Dennis Durrell, I've got a couple topics I want to cover with you in this uh, in this time that we have you here. First of all, um, give us – I know the NFL's kind of started and everybody's, you know, rah-rah, ball over the kneeling kneeling deal. But one thing that people have, have – uh, are not talking about as much. Um, recently, Aaron Hernandez, uh, they did the autopsy, and they realized that he had a lot of CTE um, – concussion-related issues, speak to this as yeah. a as a professional, my friend, as a medical professional here.
1: Well, yeah, well, I mean, everybody was
0: quoting the study that was done uh, that came out. Can you hear me? Yep, well, I've got you, my friend. We're just listening. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, well, the study that
1: came out is, you know, several months ago uh-huh. at of Boston uh-huh. University, University show that uh, basically 110 out of 111 NFL players had changes of CTE, or chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Now, in that study, there was mild disease, so mild changes, and then there were individuals that had advanced changes. So stage 1 and 2 for mild, stage 3 and 4 for advanced. And in that study, they found uh, the younger individuals, an average age of about 44, most of them had mild changes, and in the older group, average age 67, had the advanced changes, stage 3 and 4. In the younger group that had those changes, the number one cause of death to get into that study, uh, the number one cause you had to die, of course, to get in, was suicide. And so... Uh, Basically, you take a couple of points from this. Aaron Hernandez was young for having advanced stages. His autopsy showed very advanced stages, three and four. Number two, given his age and the profile, he was at high risk for suicide based on what we know if you had CTE at his age. So if you just look at those factors, he really fits into the study that came out of BU, and uh, I'm not surprised about it. Uh, the question with Aaron Hernandez became if he only played uh, not really, uh, you know, significant number of years in the NFL, and I believe it was approximately four years, uh, how did he get all those advanced findings? And that's really the question that's perplexing because most of the people in this study that only played high school or only played small wee football, they didn't really have a tremendous number of changes. And so somewhere along the line, I would say that Aaron Hernandez was at risk for having these changes more than the average individual. Uh, So probably my first take. I don't think, however, it's the reason that he had problems with uh, his anger and and other issues in his life because he had a lot of other problems uh, from his childhood.
0: Jay, jump in there, my friend. I know you've got some questions for Dr. Dennis regarding this topic. Yeah. Sure,
2: because, hi, hi, Dr. Drell, this is Jay Izzo. Um, so, I, I'm well. I played football uh, it, through college and then played a little uh, semi-pro type of leagues where we we certainly didn't have the best equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I played till I was about 32 in helmets and pads. And I listen, I, I played defensive line. I was a defensive lineman, so I had my bell you know, wrong more than once. Matter of fact, we were taught a technique to lead with our head. It was called, it was called a particular technique. And I, I, I don't want to sound, I don't know how this is going to come off, but I do have some problems with this whole CTE thing because, and, and the reason why is I feel like we are blaming these, this particular injury, I'm not saying that, you know, yeah, you get your bell rung. It doesn't have some sort of an effect, but I am not willing to jump off and say, well, your violence is because of CTE or your suicidal tendency is because of CTE. I think to me, there's a chicken or egg problem. I think you're predisposed to something prior to it. I think this can certainly enhance it, but I'm, I'm just not willing to go there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, I agree. I don't disagree with that point at all. I think that in that young group, so again, the BU study took people that already died, they donated their brain, all of them, almost all of them played football, and you already selected for a population of people that had problems. It would be different if you took about 1,000 players and whether, you know, it didn't matter how they died or whatever, once they died, um you looked at those players, it would be very different. Okay. These people were suspected of having this and they were it was what's called referral bias. So I agree with you. However, in the young group that I mentioned, so the young the young players in football that had mild changes, they also had risk for mental illness. They had risk for problems and explosive behavior earlier in their life. Mm-hmm. And And most people feel, like you just said, you have a group of people that are at risk for this, then they develop some brain trauma, then they have these changes, and then you put it all together in certain high-risk individuals, either high-risk for behavioral problems or high-risk for developing CTE. And if you put that kind of magic combination, or what I would say a deadly combination, then you get the findings. And so I think what Aaron Hernandez represented was the highest risk of all categories. For some reason, he did have advanced changes despite not having the same number of years that most people require to get that. So I agree with your point and we need, there's a lot more we need to, to go to understand this.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, cause here's my, here's the problem. And I think this is a problem with the American public perception of this and as a as a guy who's got a science degree, you know, from psychology, a, a psychological science degree, mm-hmm. you know, my concern is is that we are so easily duped, the American public, into believing that correlation is causation, because right. of how we phrase the narrative on correlation and causation. And you know, I've taught enough psychology classes, even advanced ones. Where and statistics classes for that matter, where students still, even graduate students still cannot tell you the difference between correlation and causation. They believe that if it's, if it's a one-to-one correlation, one caused the other. Well, that's just not true. And so I'm a little concerned because I think we've got a whole bunch of information that says, oh, well, they've got CTE But then I'm like going, wait, wait, wait here. Is there a higher correlation between the fact that previously you've been, you were a student who was a troublesome, who was in trouble a lot anyway, before, right? You were always resistant to authority. You always had a number of other issues. And and which is reason why you played football is because to keep you out of trouble, right? But you had a bunch of other issues. As we know, Aaron Hernandez, by the way, we knew that growing up, he had a number of issues growing up, and now you play football. Okay, you got your bell rung a few times, but he's got advanced CTE, or what looks like advanced an advanced stage of it. So, how much of this is, you know, I I always go back to it's 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 not what caused it. It's kind of a chicken or egg correlation to me. Is that is that a wrong? Yes.
1: No, no. I think you're doing it you're it's the right view. It's almost always the right answer, right? Nature and nurture. You know, you, you're predisposed and then you during your life you do something, you put it together, you get disease, whether it's cancer or another thing, and other things, smoking and the genetic risk. So I think you're right. I'll bring up two other points. In the NFL study, I would say though, uh I mean that study out of B U was very strong. I you mean know, it had a lot, it had two hundred and eighty people in it. And I did see in the young group, so the younger group, again, average age 44, they had about 40 to 60% were either, well, used substances, so there was a substance abuse issue there, and a high percentage had been in the military as well, which was interesting to me, and nobody commented that when it came out several months ago. So I do think you have a mixture of things coming together, uh, and then you have the wrong cocktail. Mixed together, and then you have the the actual behaviors that come out of this and the problems that come out of this. But I would say this though, I think trauma is related to CTE. So I don't, I feel that's pretty strong. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Now, does that make you do something? I don't know about that. Does that make you get Parkinson's? I'm not a hundred percent, but I see the correlation, and we cannot ignore the correlation. Uh, we need to know more about it. So that's where I stand on it. There's definitely a link. I mean and, and if you looked at that data, you'd have to say there's a link. Now you're right, we don't know cause and effect, but right. there's no doubt a high
2: correlation there. Okay. And 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 listen, I, I did look at the study and it is it's a pretty robust study. I mean there's no doubt. That's it's a pretty robust yes. study. I mean in terms of population, in terms of what they did. And and I can't I can't argue with what they did because it certainly is and unless we find out something later. But I am also, you know, one of the things that also does kind of concern me with all of this is I understand, but then you brought up something else here. You know, typically high-level athletes and even military folks have been known to indulge in chemical alterations to enhance performance.
1: Yeah.
2: Sure. uh, I don't know what the correlation is there between, because I haven't seen these studies between, you know, performance enhancement and then later on any sort of, you know, suicide rates or other sort of behavior or violent behavior. But I can, rem- I do remember playing football in the 80s in college, and I remember all the guys who were taking steroids at the time. And I remember this thing called droid raging, which was unbelievable. Cause I ba- I used to bounce on the side. It was a, was a bouncer. And I remember when guys would droid rage, you know, for, you know, for whatever few minutes or whatever it would be, it would be nuts. I mean, it would be crazy stuff. And I'm, I'm, and, and I go back and I go, well, what, what, what that's got to have some effect long term.
1: There's no doubt. There is no doubt. And when I said substance abuse, uh, that article was referring not to steroid use, but to, uh, you know, like illegal drugs. And so, or, or I wouldn't say illegal, could have been alcohol, could have been drugs. You are exactly right. Nobody that I have seen has paired the use of performance enhancement drugs, particularly steroids, anabolic steroids, and they haven't layered that in as a question. I would have liked to have seen that in this study. I did not see that. They just said substance abuse, which uh, yeah. again I, I I consider alcohol or sure. drugs. Yeah. Uh, now, when I was a medical student, I do recall uh, a guy came in and uh, he had been uh, violent, and uh, people thought because he was young, he was schizophrenic. And uh, here I was, just a third-year medical student, and. A lot of psychiatrists around the table and we're going around and I said, did, did anyone ask if he used steroids? And everyone's head turned to me, <laughs> you know, they turned and looked at me and it, and it turned out he had been taking steroids. He was a bodybuilder. and It was pretty obvious to me that he was probably doing that. And so I, there's no doubt that there is a steroid rage phenomena. There is no doubt that that affects your behavior. We know that very clearly. The question I would have, so I agree. The question I have is, if you take these steroids, do they somehow make a brain more vulnerable to to convert to changes of CTE? And that would be something I'd be interested in. Maybe they affect the blood-brain barrier. It may be they affect some of the cells in the brain that make them, because it's a steroid, more vulnerable to damage of CTE. So uh, I think there's a lot more we have to learn about when these things all come together in that perfect storm.
2: I agree, and I agree with you. And now that we have human growth hormone and we are so much smarter about how to cover over steroid use so that you don't get caught and how we mask it and all these things that we have, athletes have to them now. I just think that there is a whole lot more out there than we realize. And I just don't want, I just don't want to make it too simple to be where well, you got hit in the head too many times. I just don't want it to be that simple. That that's my. That, well, I agree, and I think we're we're focusing
1: too much on football, frankly, because you know I'm a surfer. My son surfs much better than I. And you know, you get out in a 15 foot wave and you get knocked uh, under. You know, I can't tell you the number of concussions my son has had from surfing. I know we've sure. had many. Uh, I I'm just naming one sport, but look at the extreme sports. I was in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and I took a spill on a mountain bike and and I face planted. And so the point I'm making is that. I would like to see a cross-sectional study uh, looking at other kinds of sports and and do the same thing. And so I would like to see the incidence of that. We know that after you take football away that soccer has one of the highest incidences of concussions. And it's from heading the the soccer ball, as you know. And so I feel like we're going too narrow with this. And the reason we are is everyone wants to put it on the NFL in a legal set. I'm more concerned about it as a broad public health issue. And I'd like to see more done about that. And I would also like to see people that take steroids that are not doing contact sports, as you mentioned, growth hormones and just to look better and maybe a bodybuilder, they're not having trauma. I wonder if they have some changes of CTE. I wonder if, if we could be looking at some multiple factors. So I think those are all great questions and I, I think we're in the infancy of knowing what this disease really is.
2: Yeah, and and I do agree with you. I think we, the reason we focus on the NFL is, first of all, we see it as a violent contact sport, and it, I'm not saying it is. It isn't. It is. But also what people don't r- really realize is that this affects all sports at all levels, and it does include surfing. It does include this, your soccer, your kids playing soccer. Matter of fact, your kids playing soccer may, in fact, be more at risk of Having their frontal lobe bounce off the front of their their skull and their cerebellum bouncing off the back of their skull <laughs> when right. you get when you hit when you're hitting a soccer ball or getting somebody's foot in your your face, I mean there may be actually more risks because you're not wearing any protection on your head versus versus football. I don't I don't know that for sure, but you possibly can be. So I do agree yep. with you. I think we limit. We're so limited, but I think it's because they have the most money, and that's the tendency. <laughs> Whoever has the most money, we want to legally get into that battle. But I want to talk to you about your book, your healthcare playbook, Winning the Game of Modern Medicine. And uh, by the way, it's well-reviewed. I noticed that you've got some great reviews. Thank out, you. Your five-star reviewed on Thank Amazon. You. And uh, people, yeah. you can pick up this book for uh, right now, $17.10 if you're a Prime member on Amazon, and yep. you can get a Kindle, 9.99. The book is, this is a book uh, to help people who are confused about the Obamacare healthcare system, correct? So talk That's a little right. bit well, talk a little
1: yeah, about that. Yeah, it's not just about, you know, it's about people that are confused about healthcare care in general, which I think is almost everyone. I mean, I follow a lot of experts on Twitter, and and occasionally I'll see this doctor at Harvard say, hey... I had to go in for a kidney stone, and then they'll tell their story. And, and they know more about health care than just about anyone, and they had a problem either with the hospital stay or with the bill afterwards. So I think that the general public is at a severe disadvantage for understanding health care. So, what this book is, is a way of simplifying the complexities of health care by using football, but it's not just about Obamacare. I do talk about that. I talk about what Trump care is going to mean to health care and I've been right so far when I predicted, but there's much more. It talks about staying safe in the hospital. For example, you're more at risk of getting hurt in a hospital than an NFL game. Statistically, nobody wants to hear that, but that's the truth. And then finally, when you get those bills that are out of network or surprise bills, what I call "oops" out of pocket spending, mm-hmm. then my book helps you do it. So, really, it's a playbook, just like a complete playbook is for football. It is for healthcare.
2: Th- that's awesome. And now I'm going to speak author to author. All right, because I, I have book bookstores and a couple books coming out here. Another couple books coming out. What inspired mm-hmm. you to write this thing? I mean, I mean, because I, I mean, every author has a story, and I would love to hear your story about what inspired you to write this book. Why did you do it?
1: Yeah, there's a combination of things. I did a fellowship at UC
2: San Francisco in 2010,
1: and uh, a professor that I respect a lot got up and he showed this equation. It said, "Value is quality over cost. Over cost. You can't just look at cost in healthcare or quality. You got to look at both."
2: Say that. Say how, this, say that again. Can you say that again, yeah. that
1: Value, value is quality over cost in an equation, quality over cost. Interesting. And the old healthcare was like what I call Major League Baseball. They were the Yankees. They didn't care about cost. They had a blank check, so they only did the quality. So whatever cost you were going to do for a patient, the new world of healthcare. what he was showing us was more like the NFL and a salary cap. You're going to have to make a money decision with a quality decision. And that was revolutionary to healthcare. And I knew it would change healthcare. back in 2010. I saw it coming. And so I began to say, Hey, I've got a, I've got to write something about this. I read the Affordable Care Act, every page, and uh, about that time, I had some problems with some people in my family that had tragedies happen, and I put it all together and I said, hey, I've got to write a book about this, but I kept coming up with certain keywords. Teams are critical to healthcare. Safety is critical. uh, Sorry. Teams are critical to football and healthcare. Safety is critical to football and healthcare handoffs are important in football and healthcare. And I really realized that I could use football to explain healthcare because the parallels were there. So that's, that's why I wrote it. And it was a labor of love to really help patients.
2: So I'm, 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 I'm assuming, and I hate doing that, but so there's gotta be a football love part of you too. Then I'm assuming, is that true?
1: Yes. Yeah. I played football. Uh, like you, I, I believe I played when I started when I was eight. My dad was my coach. I played uh, through high school. I wasn't talented enough to play in college, although had a scratch of some offers, uh, which is a whole another story. But no, I couldn't. I couldn't play on the college level. I, I was not fast enough, talented, or big enough. But other than that, I had I had a mind for the game. So yeah, football has been a part of my father and my relationship as well. I watched. Yeah. The Immaculate Reception, uh, On, I remember it very clearly. Uh, I was a big Raiders fan. and So I grew up watching football with my dad. I got to watch, watch the first quarter of Monday Night Football, then I had to go to bed, and then I got the first half as I got older. So football was very important to my life, and I think it is to many Americans.
2: Well, it is. It's kind of our pastime, and I, I love the fact that you were able to take healthcare and football and blend them together. Of course I would, right? Because, I mean, I... I, I I love football, so I of course would love that. <laughs> exactly, I, I, love that, I love that analogy. Yeah. I love the way that you've put that together. If you were to say to someone who is at the bookstore and they are consider buying your book and they're looking at it, go, what's this going to? What what? Why would I want to really? Why should I really buy this book? Why should I buy your healthcare yeah. playbook? What would you say? Well, first, yeah. Well, first of all. I'll
1: tell you something. When my kids were little, I used to tell them, we, you know, given, they call them podcasts now. Dad's given a podcast in the car when we've gone on a long drive. Uh, but funny, they, they have come back to help them. I used to talk about the value of money to my kids and I would say, ironically, I would say, what if Bill Gates got pancreatic cancer, advanced cancer? And they'd say, well, he's got a lot of money. And I said, where could he go to pay for a cure for that? And I said, nowhere. I said, his money at that moment became worthless. And ironically, it
2: became Steve
1: Jobs that unfortunately tragically died of that. But the point I was making was that the greatest wealth is your health. And actually that Virgil said that. And so for me, if you're going to spend any money on a book that's nonfiction, I would spend it on something to do with my health. And there's no better way to understand healthcare than Somebody who has has read the Affordable Care Act, who's been a doctor for over twenty years, who understands health policy, and has had personal experiences with people in their family that have been killed from medical errors, to kind of guide you through probably to me the most important thing you you buy in, in your house. wow. I I feel
2: like I, I feel like uh, I need to go buy this book right now.
0: <laughs> it's Good. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, well, see, he's, I, I, he I he, no, saw, no, I, he sold you a book, I, I, Jay. I, okay, hold on. Hold
2: on here. Hold on here. I am clicking <laughs> on the Kindle right now and having it sent to me. I'm yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I Amen. am talking to Dr. Dennis Durrell, author of the book, Your Healthcare Playbook Winning the Game of Modern Medicine. And I'm telling you what I'm doing right now. I am actually downloading the Kindle version of the book, which is nine ninety nine. The hardcover is $17.10. It's cheaper than my book, which is just driving me nuts. I got to tell them to give me a sale, but anyway, <laughs> which is awesome. But you need to get this book. This book is going to help you under navigate healthcare in general. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, more. Yeah. Than, it's more than just. I know that the first line in you know your little book promo says most Americans remain confused about Obamacare and how it affects them. But really, this book is more than that. This is re- Much this more. Book is- yeah, much more than that, and giving people insights and how to deal with healthcare and the issues that come up with healthcare. And you know what? You're right. Uh, I I believe that when it comes to our health, uh, you that's what that's all you got, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's about we we talk about as I've aged over years, it's about my quality of life. It's about changing my workouts. It's about doing things different, eating differently, changing what yep. I'm doing because I want to be healthier. And so you're right. Health is wealth. I mean, that is, and wealth is health and vice yep. versa. So this this That's is a great. It. I just want to really encourage our listeners. Okay. Look, the name of the book is called your healthcare playbook, winning the game of modern medicine. Okay. But if you just look up your healthcare playbook, you're going to see this really cool cover that, that Dr. Dennis Durrell has. And it, it's an awesome, awesome cover. It's an awesome, great book. I'm, I've just downloaded it and am buying now with one click. And there it goes, being sent to my laptop, phone and everything right now. So thank you for that. I'm really anxious to uh, awesome. read it. So you just made a sale. We'll
1: Good, we'll write a review. Because uh, I respect your opinion, you obviously know what you're, you know what you're talking about. I can tell, so uh, I do appreciate that. Thank
2: Absolutely. you, thank you. And and Dr. Durrell, before we let you go, why don't you tell folks? Uh, I, I know we're promoting the book, but why don't you tell folks? Best way to get a hold of you if they want to get more information yeah. about the book or whatever.
1: Well, you know, healthcare is changing obviously every day. I've been in you know involved in these new things that have. You know, I'm I'm on on TV talking about the new healthcare bills, there's more to come with that. Just follow me at Dr. Durrell on Twitter if you want to know what's going on with that. And also you can go to my website com and you can read my blog and stay abreast of what's happening. That's
2: awesome. And by the way, Durrell is spelled D-E-R-U-E-L-L-E, that's D-E-R-U-E-L-L-E. Check out Dr. Dennis Durrell. Dr. Durrell, you have been a fabulous guest. Thank you for letting me uh, push you or push you a little bit and, and uh, talk about CTE up front. and I uh, would love to have you on again, and I hope we can talk yes. again, and I wish you just tremendous success with the book and uh, all your other endeavors that you have coming. And thank you so much for your time. Pleasure was online. Thank you, gentlemen. take care.
0: Yes. Thank, thank you, doctor. Appreciate it, my friend. That, of course, no Dr. Problem. Dennis thank Durrell. You. And uh, Jay, we're going to take a quick timeout, and I will be right back with you, my friend. Hold on. Sorry. Jay Izzo, Dr. Dennis Durrell, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we are going to get our next guest in here. And uh, here's this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile